Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Tell you folks, we have a sensational discussion coming up on the podcast today about the crazy future of college football, the questions about the playoff, NIL, the portal, employees, unions, academics, all that stuff. We, we have a sensational discussion a little bit later on that I know you're going to want to make sure to uh, to catch Frank Bodani, longtime Penn State beat writer for the York Daily Record, joins me. We'll discuss all of those things. want to give you just a little bit of news of the week here uh, to start before we get into that discussion. I am not a big fan of the NFL Combine and Pro Day. Um, they they serve a purpose. There's no doubt about it. The, the measurements, the testing, the interviews that take place at the Combine absolutely serve a purpose. But I personally have a problem with the meat market way of trying to analyze players and and draft positions and all that kind of stuff Uh, for better or worse. And I'm not saying I'm right at this. I'm just saying this is my personal preference. I like to watch games. I like to see how guys do in games, situations. I judge players in sports on what I see during games. Again, let me say that I'm not, necessarily saying I'm 100% correct there, but I do think a lot of you would probably agree with me that how guys perform in games is a significant, significant factor because what happens with football, especially, it's just so difficult that so many guys, uh, you know, you, you tend to fall back on 40 yard dash times, vertical leaps, you know, all these measurements and things like that. Don't get me wrong. They have a place. There's no doubt about it. But I've just never been a big combine 
or pro day guy simply because I think it oversimplifies trying to analyze players. And so I did not have a whole lot of coverage this week at DK Pittsburgh Sports on the Combine. I'll mention a few exceptions here in a second. I'll try to recap some stuff here a little bit in the next few days. Corey Crisson, uh, our fantastic reporter here at DK Pittsburgh Sports, he was there. He got me some audio of uh, several players, Olu Fashnu, Adisa Isaac, uh, Kalen King. I'll have some comments from those guys here kind of recapping a little bit um, of their combine performances. And again, I'm I, I'm not poo-pooing the combine completely. If you go there and you have a great showing or a terrible showing, yeah, it makes a big difference. And there were two Penn State players who fell into that category. Well, three, really. First first of all, Chop Robinson with a, a 448 40-yard dash, one of the fastest by a defensive edge rusher, you know, in the last 20 years. That's fantastic. But we knew Chop was going to do very well. Not not quite running that fast, but we know he's a first-round pick and he enhanced his stock you would think, um, because he does so many things well, and to show that level of speed, very, very impressive. But the two guys I want to single out, Daquan Hardy, 439, 40-yard dash, uh, 4-foot-2-inch vertical leap. Uh, boy, Daquan Hardy, as much as a guy can, I think, at a combine, turn some eyes, because he's, a, you know, is he a great cornerback defensively? Well, he can make some plays, and he's always around the ball, but he also could be a return specialist, and he might have made himself a good bit of money at the Combine, Uh, again, especially as a return, as a specialist guy um, with that kind of speed and that kind of leaping ability. So good for him. But man, oh man, you just just have to feel so bad for Kalen King. I did a whole podcast on this, a podcast segment on this a few weeks ago after the Senior Bowl. Just what has happened to Kalen King? He runs a 4-6-1 40-yard dash and then a 4-6-2 his second time. Chop Robinson as a defensive end is faster than Kalen King. Kalen King's, uh, a lot of his performances ranked in the bottom three or four among all the cornerbacks at the Combine. I mean, just a disaster. Two or three months ago, people thought he was going to be a potential first round pick. I look, I, I'm, I, I said this in the podcast a few weeks ago. I'm not trying to pick on Kalen King. I, I really wouldn't go anywhere near the guy. I, I don't know if he's very good at all, to be honest with you. And, I mean, I'll, I'll say no one should touch him before the fourth round. But, you know, look, everybody's looking for cornerbacks in the NFL. And he played at Penn State and he's got, you know, he's got some experience in some big games. But, man, I I don't I don't know that I would mess around with Kalen King in the first five rounds. Even I I just I just again, I'm I'm not going to base everything on the combine. But Kalen King did not have a good season for Penn State. He just didn't. Then he had a disastrous senior bowl and was maybe even worse at the combine. So you got to feel for him. Uh, but again, I, I will say this. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm looking more at these guys and how they perform in games. And, and Kalen King didn't. I don't, I don't think he performed all that great at Penn State. Daquan Hardy had a nice show and a couple punt returns for touchdowns. So, 
if you're one of those people that you're hanging on every measurement and every 40 yard dash time at the combine, I, I, uh, I'm not really the guy to follow on that. I, that stuff is just not tremendously significant to me. I think it's way, way, way overblown. Can it help? Yes. Can it hurt these guys? Yes. No doubt about it. But I've just seen too many guys like a Christian Hackenberg look great at pro day and then basically nothing. And then you see guys like a Matt McGloin who doesn't, you know, move the needle really at all. And he gets to play in the NFL. Sean Clifford had, had, was not good at all at pro day last year. I, I, I'll flat tell you, I didn't think he was very good at all at his Penn State pro day last year. Very inconsistent. He get, he goes in the fifth round, you know, so, um, there are pros and cons about all this stuff. Tom Brady goes in the sixth round. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Jamarcus Russell goes num- number one overall. There are, there are hits and misses, uh, cause it's just such an incredibly difficult thing to do to try to gauge how these guys are going to transition and, and how their skills translate from one level to the next. So just wanted to mention all that. Maybe a lot of you agree with me. Maybe a lot of you completely disagree with me and you think a combine and pro day are, you know, just hugely significant components of all this. And hey, maybe you're right. I don't know. For me, it's just never been all that big of a deal. One real quick basketball note. My God, man, Penn State basketball is up 23 points near the end of the first half Saturday at Minnesota and loses the game. Wow. How do you do that? How do you go from leading 41 to 18 to losing? Uh, basketball team has been better than we thought, but goodness gracious, that's just a disastrous way to lose. They're eight and 11 in the big 10 right now, uh, with one more game to go before the, uh, conference tournament. Uh, well, so we'll see, we'll see how they finish up. It's been a better than expected season, but that's the kind of game that just makes you shake your head and go, what in the world? All right. Fantastic, fantastic discussion. We got coming up over the next two segments. Um, Playoff, potential playoff expansion. We're already talking about that. What's going to happen with with the future of college football? A lot of crazy, crazy stuff. I don't think anybody knows the answers of what things are going to look like 8, 10, 20 years down the road. We get into all of it with Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record here after the uh, break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
bunch of people around the state and even around the country that cover Penn State football. A lot of outstanding journalists, sports writers, sports broadcasters, uh, some outstanding ones, some mediocre ones, some bad ones, uh, some great fellas, some great females. Uh, it's just a great atmosphere around the Penn State beat because there are so many guys that have covered Penn State for such a long time. And one of them is Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record. And and I would say Frank is one of the best uh, people I know. I believe Frank is the best writer on the Penn State beat. Just an all-around awesome guy. Frank, what's going on with you today, buddy? How you doing? Well, tremendous. What what kind of well, how could you top that introduction? That's unbelievable. Thank I, you. <laughs> I love Frank. He probably holds my food interest in just as high a regard. Actually, no, it's that's a joke. Frank is Frank is very much a food guy. I'm very much not. He's he's visiting the cuisine places on these road trips, and I'm going to Applebee's. So you you are a food guy though. Before we get into some good football stuff, you you're a big food guy, right? Yeah, but it's been rough when you don't go on all the road trips here recently, right? Yeah. So I have to like monitor what you're eating in the press box. And when you kind of go for thirds on the donuts, Corey, it's troubling to me. Yeah, Frank Frank knows his food, though. While I'm eating the two for 25 <laughs> at Applebee's, Frank's he off somewhere getting good stuff. But I do say this with all due all, all honesty. I've told Frank this. I believe yeah. that Frank is, uh, I think, the best pure rider on the Penn State beat uh, what 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 do you try to do as a, a Penn State football beat writer, Frank? We all are looking for things. Our niche. There's a hundred of us. We're all. You can't all write the same thing all the time. What's what's your goal? What 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 is your purpose? You think as a Penn State writer? You know, well, uh, well, I mean, I just I enjoy trying to tell personal stories, so I try to look for opportunities for that. And it's you know it's a little bit more challenging because you don't get not easy getting that one on one time with people, but I think it's so easy to get caught up in the flow of everything day to day that's happening and just crank out stories and one after another. And, you know, if you can kind of find somebody that has a good personal story to tell, I think it can resonate beyond just obviously the football field, you know, I don't know. It's kind of fun to get to know the guys and the families a little bit when you get a chance. Yeah, I agree. And it, it is tough to do because it's kind of such a, uh, a machine. I mean, again, there's so many reporters or so many players. We're really not allowed to talk to family members anymore. We kind of used to be able to do that, but they put the kibosh on that a number of years ago. Uh, but, the, there, you know, it's one thing. Some people are really, really good at all the daily news and breaking down all that stuff. Totally. You're, you're a tremendous uh, feature writer. I've always kind of looked at my niche as I'm just going to be brutally honest. I don't care who I piss off. I'm just going to comment and analyze on whatever. I I mean, look, if, whatever it is you want as a football fan, if you're a Penn State fan, right. you can find it out there somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, and there's so many facets. I mean, recruiting is a huge thing, and you can get to those guys before they get to Penn State. So there's opportunities there, and that's a whole separate but, but Penn State-related function. And then – I like former players as well. I think sometimes people don't hit on them and sometimes they're doing pretty interesting things with their lives and they always have a connection. Fans always remember them. You bring up like someone like Paul Pazlozny, you get five fans telling you exactly remembering this play or that mm-hmm. game and that will never go away, right? As long as you as long as you got your mind, you know? So 
there, yeah, there is all kinds of facets of it. So that's why I think it's so interesting. And right now I'm delving into a little bit more Penn State wrestling, which is a whole other uh, intriguing topic that I never really spent much time with. So hey, you, you always learn. You, you know, you know what? We all do football, but the the passion for Penn State wrestling is out of this world. I, I don't work for a daily newspaper anymore. When you go the website route, you're kind of doing a little bit of different things. And I learned a few years ago, dabbling into the wrestling a little bit more. People can't get enough of that, man. Because, again, there's 100 people writing Penn State football. There are a handful right. writing Penn State wrestling. They, ju- they just cannot get enough. And you're talking about, to me the greatest dynasty going in American sports right now. As much as anything in any sport, collegiate or pro, yep. and Penn State wrestling fans, they eat that stuff up. I, I put it this way. What other sport, if you follow, could you go to their event and be basically guaranteed you're going to leave winning? They've won like 123 of the last 125 dual meets or something like that. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. So... They just don't care for the attention a whole lot for it. Yeah, exactly right. I want to uh, <laughs> dive into an interesting college football talk yeah. topic with you that came up this week. We haven't even had a 12-team college football playoff tournament yet. The mm-hmm. first one's coming up this year. Now they're already talking about going to 14. That's going to happen, it seems like, in 2026. Where are you on the size of the college football playoff, Frank? Do you like 12? Are you at all surprised? I mean, we haven't even, you can't even blink, and it's going to be at 14. When is this thing going to get to, like, 24 or 32 or whatever? Well, I'd I want to try 12. I'm excited about 12, but let's just, I like to give it a whirl for a couple of years. I know. Before, you know what I mean? Just to see kind of how it actually works out. I like the setup of 12, really, to me, at least. I kind of like the way they are doing the the home games. I, I like that the, the top few teams get a bye. I like then how they integrate into the bowls, the timing of it would be kind of interesting since this doesn't get going until literally right before Christmas. Um, but let's, let's try this. I mean, I'm not necessarily opposed to 14 or 16. I don't know how doable it is beyond that because of the number, you know, you can only play one game a week. It's not like basketball. So you can't add too many more teams, right? Because how long can you play? How many games can you put these guys through? And still have the same product that fans are used to. Well, that's a whole other subject, I guess. But, yeah, so 12 is good right now. 14, you know, 14 is just, to me, the SEC and the Big Big Ten just trying to control everything yep. by wanting to get all these guaranteed spots that if they want. They want basically to be guaranteed half the spots in the in the tournament. So that's ba- that's why the discussion has switched to fourteen. Yeah. They want the SEC and the Big Ten. They want automatic qualifiers. And here's the thing: it's interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm in an area here where seventy five percent of the people here are Penn State fans, but not everybody. We have Pitt fans, Notre Dame fans. If you're a Big Ten fan or you're an SEC fan. All of these kinds of discussions are, are, are great because everything is driving or is being driven by the SEC and the Big Ten. And so if you're a Penn State fan, you, you, you love living at the top of the world. You know, you you're, uh, you got a seat at the big boy table. You're always going to be part of the discussion. But I always think about teams like Pitt 
ACC teams, Big 12 teams. Does anybody mm-hmm. care? Does anybody care, Frank, in college football anymore what anybody outside the SEC and Big 10 are doing? Well, I think fans fans and people would like to say they have to care or it's not the football world that they are that they want to live in, but do their actions show that they care, you know, or do the people really controlling it, their actions? I mean, I don't really want a world, a college football world, doesn't even have the Pac-12 or the Big 12, but we don't have a choice. And, I, you know, the other thing is, you know, how, how big is the Big 10 going to get, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I don't, the actions show that nobody else care that they don't care about anything but those two leagues. But I don't think that's necessarily good. It, you know, I guess the only thing, Corey, is that the, the Big Ten, for example, both those leagues have gotten so big. It's, is it really? I mean, it's one conference, but it, can it really feel like one conference? I mean, eighteen teams, right? I mean, Oregon is joined. You know, Penn State's going to be playing Washington in Beaver Stadium next year. Yeah, <laughs> take a little bit to get used to, right? from the York Daily Record. I I try not to be, as I get older, I try not to just cling to the past. One thing a lot of older people do is that they resist change. They don't want to, they don't want to see things move forward. And I always said, I, I liked the smaller college football playoff because I want the regular season to mean something. You know, now you're going to have a bunch of two loss teams in the playoff. You're going to have three loss teams in the playoff when you go to 12 and certainly to 14. But look, Frank, I try I try not to be that guy and just say, back in my day, we walked up right. hill in the snow both ways. Well, I didn't. I would grow up in Arkansas. I never saw any snow. But the, the point is you, you have to adapt. You have to be able to see things differently. But I just feel like our heads are spinning. When you add NIL and the transfer portal and the growing playoff and all the money and all the movement of coaches and players – I just feel like we're on this this roller coaster that is going way, way, way too fast. And while I don't want to be a guy that says, I, oh, I don't, I don't like roller coasters. They're scary. This one is scary because what the hell's going to happen on this roller coaster when these guys become employees and unions and all of this stuff? What's the end game here? That's a good question. I don't know. If you can forecast or, or feel it, because I don't think five years ago, people, you had no idea about NIL or what that was going to be like. And here we still, I mean, we know, but we, we don't really know, but it is, but it's making things different. Everything feels different and it's just going to keep evolving. And I guess we're going to have to get used to how quickly things change. That's, that's, you know, you can't, things didn't, I guess the other thing is, it's not even that you want things the way they were, the way they were, things changed pretty slowly <laughs> in this regard. Well, I think we just have to get used to there being constant change. 
And if that's unsettling, then you have to deal with it or not pay attention to the sport anymore. Because I don't that that's not going away. And I don't know what it's going to exactly feel like. I guess you have to try to enjoy, if you're a football fan, the goodness of what is at the moment, right? So it's going to be weird this year, but there is goodness. And I think seeing Penn State go to USC in the middle of the year, um, there's some positives to that. It's different. It's a, it's maybe it's a little refreshing. I don't know. I can spin it positively, right? Five years, ten years, fifteen. <laughs> you you pick a time frame. When are college football players employees? Will they have unions? Frank, will they even have to go to class, or will it be minor league baseball where Penn State signs a bunch of guys that wear Penn State uniform? Why would they have to go to class if they're employees? You see, do you see that being mm-hmm. on the horizon at some point? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it could be. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, the thing is, you're still affiliating this with a university. So, you know, that's the thing. I mean, you're still representing a, an educational institution. You'd hope that there, there would be some educational component to it. <laughs> I mean, you know, minor league baseball is, is that's just, you know, that's an organization. That's, that's not like this. Though. But legally, so if you're if you're a, an employee and in a union, yeah, how are you going to tell me I got to go to class? We we right. ain't here to study school, Cardell Jones. We we ain't here right. for school. I mean, at what point does school become obsolete in all of this? Well, I don't, you know, it's a good question because I think everybody talks about that. But I mean, most of the people on Penn State's football team, at least now, and I guess at least now. They're never playing football beyond this, right? Their education actually does matter still. <laughs> I mean, to, to some degree, at least to a lot of those guys that do. I mean, yeah. you look at, you know, well, look at the guy. Okay, look at Anthony Donko for people who know who that guy is yet, right? He's a promising offensive lineman. He's majoring in, like, astronomy and planetary science. He was going to come in in engineering. So, he comes from a family and he comes from a place where education actually means something, right? You don't tackle something like what I just said without that. And those guys that came in from the Ivy League, yeah, they're looking for a chance to develop football-wise, but you can't take away what Hunter Norzad and, and, and Eric Wilson and those guys did when they went to Harvard and Cornell. So I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to... Um, one step at a time, I guess, right? Well, As a report. Well, that's a good thing. James Franklin has talked about this repeatedly over the years. James, this is, seems to be one a, a subject that he likes to bring up, that they they bring in all these rules without thinking what the consequences and repercussions might be for all of them. It's like everybody wants to come up with this change and that change and that change. But has anybody just sat down and thought, well, what's going to happen if this goes haywire, that goes haywire? Mm-hmm. That? It's like everybody's just playing the game, uh, you know, just going forward without thinking. Every, that's what I, I compare it to the scary roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Do, do we know that there's going to that the track is going to be completed up uh, in front of us on the roller coaster? Is is that track completed yet, or are we just are we just throwing out crap and hope that the track gets completed before we get there? 
Well, that's part of it, I think. I mean, yeah, I- I'm probably right. Probably right. And you're, then you're forced to regulate and try to figure it out in the middle of the journey, right? Well, that's pretty darn difficult to do. But, um, man, it, 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 yeah, it's a new world. And I, I don't know. A lot of people who are older probably are going to have a hard time relating to it because it's not what college football meant. You know, it's not, you're not going to be sitting down on Saturdays watching the same thing. You know, a whole league just disappeared on us. <laughs> so, yeah, what? A, how's that going to work? How's that going to work? And is the, is the, I mean, is the ACC even going to be? Yeah. How, how, how relevant are they going to be in the future? Anytime I come, we think we get into this, I, I think about uh, Armageddon with Bruce Willis. You see, Mar- seen Armageddon, Frank? No, not the whole thing. I didn't. I'm oh, sorry, so. man. Okay. Well, Armageddon, they, they go up and they got to blow up this comet or whatever. So there's a great mm-hmm. line in the movie where Bruce Willis says, like, uh, uh, you guys are NASA. Don't you have a bunch of people sitting around rooms thinking crap up? And then you got a, <laughs> a team of backup guys thinking about things to back them up. It's like, I don't think, I don't think college sports has any of that. I don't think there's any yeah. forward thinkers thinking if we do this and we allow this and this legal case says this about employees or unions, how I don't, I don't know that there's enough leadership. And I'm not, I don't even know if the NCAA is going to be governing college football in five or 10 years if they're off on their right. own. So I mean, at what, who's going to be in charge of this whole institution at some point? Right, the guys who are in charge of the Big Ten and the SEC, I guess. <laughs> there you go. That's the answer. That's the, that's okay. the best answer right there. <laughs> there uh, you go. I want to move on to uh, the NFL Combine for just a couple of minutes. Uh, uh, Chop Robinson was a tremendous performance last night, four four eight in the 40-yard dash, one of the fastest times uh, in the last two decades for a, an edge rusher I saw. I, I did a little fun piece the other day, Frank. I wrote uh, of the 10 guys there who I think will have the best NFL career. So I, I'm catching you with this without you being able to think about it a little bit. But my my top five, I actually had a little bit of a surprise. I had uh, Olu Fashionu number one. I actually have Theo Johnson number two. As much as I like Chop, I put Theo there because I, I just think the tight ends – in the NFL, you know, you can make a big impact. I got Chop three, and I actually had Caden Wallace four, uh, and Adisa Isaac five. So some maybe a little bit of, of a reach on some of those. But of the guys at the combine, off the top of your head, which of these guys do you think NFL stars, NFL uh, ten year starters, uh, who has the best shot at that? Well, I think the best bet to me is Olu. Because I think he has the best of both of all the worlds, right? I mean, he's steady, but he's super talented and he's rare at what he can do. Stays healthy to me. He's a lock for all that long career, stardom, be a star. Um, beyond that, I, you know, I, at the combine, I think Theo Johnson is going to help himself. He brought him up. I think I love the way, uh, Penn State is producing tight ends, by the way. And I think he has, I, I really think he didn't, you know, he only scratched the surface of what he can do in college. And I think part of it is that Penn State is so good in their tight end room that they always have two and three that they're using at the same time. Yep. There's never going to be one guy to be an All-American type of tight end because they never give that one guy a chance to do it. 
which is a good problem. But and I like Curtis Jacobs to help himself. I I think um, tremendous athletic ability again that we didn't always see. But I, I he's a smart guy. He's become pretty well spoken guy. Obviously, he comes from a a good, a really good family and a good academic lineage. And I think he may not be a star in the NFL, but I think a guy like him has a chance to uh, make his team make his impression and, and be a, a multi-year guy in the NFL, like be around for five, six, seven, eight years, find his niche. I remember Donovan Smith had all the potential in the world and, and really was a massive disappointment at the end of his college career. It was coming off the sanctions and everything like 14, 15. And I don't know that he was fully a hundred percent invested, now the guy's gone on and won two Super Bowls. He's been a much better NFL player than anybody at Penn State ever could have thought. I, I think of Caden Wallace in that realm a little bit. Not that Caden Wallace is going to be Donovan Smith, but Caden Wallace is pretty disappointing given his potential at Penn State. I mean, he was in and out of the lineup, not this past season, but last year in 2022. He solidified himself in 23 as a right. He's 320 pounds. He's a big man. Um, I think I think he's about 330 now. So, um Am I taking too much of a flyer on Caden Moss? He's not a left tackle. He's a right tackle. He could be a guard, you know. And you, you, if you get a big man at guard, you can play guard kind of quietly in the NFL for 10 years. Oh, I think he's got that potential. I'm not sure he has quite maybe, the, to me, the Donovan Smith potential. No. Donovan became a left tackle, the primo big money position in the NFL and I don't think Caden fits that but I could definitely buy into him maybe maybe he goes to guard but definitely buy into him sticking for a long career if he wants it and this is not a knock against him but he's an eclectic dude smart guy another great family he's got other interests is he going to be dialed in long enough to put up with what you got to do in the NFL and I say that as a positive because there's things beyond that life and that football life. You know, he he, he, he has other interests. And I, I, I don't know. I could see him doing this, proving to himself that he can make it, maybe be a starter. And and after a few years, I'll be interested to, to check back with him to see where, where his mind is and art is. What was your first year covering Penn State? 1994. All right. So you've seen it from then to now, 30 years, some great teams, some great players. Um, you mm-hmm. like to tell the personal stories. What's your favorite? Like if I put you on the spot and say, what's your favorite story or player or person or background? Uh, if, if, if I wanted to know something really interesting about a Penn State player over the last 30 years, What's the best, most interesting, offbeat, mainstream, whatever? Uh, what's the, what's the most interesting story that that you think of, good or bad? I'm going to come up with a little bit of a just tragically sad one with Yeter Gross Matos here in a minute. But what, what's one that really sticks out to you? Huh, man, I wish I had just a few more. There's so many good ones, Corey. I wish I had a few more minutes to get me on this. One of my, I'll go with the guys that I really liked and maybe to talk to, but. Also with a story, Alan Zemitis, still one of my favorite Penn State players. And I know he's on the staff, so every time you get the CAD, um, because I loved his family, you know, uh, diverse family, 
and and big family, and he comes from a place where they, you know, football wasn't very good, and he just never cared in the best of ways what anybody thought about what he said and how he did it, and to do then to pull that off at Penn State, right? And then he goes and almost gets killed in a car accident during his time at Penn State. It's amazing he survived that, and he came back to be a great player, and I just love the way he played. I mean, I love the way he played. If there's one play that I always just laugh in the best of ways, chuckle about is when they're playing at Michigan, they lost the game in 05 with Michael Robinson, but sad hand, he's running the ball and Alan Zemitis meets him. And all of a sudden you don't know what's going on. Alan Zemitis comes out of the pile with the football and runs for the touchdown. He just, he <laughs> went to tackle and stripped the ball and, and, and just took it in. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's just a great, I love and, that guy. And uh, you hope that, that the, when you do get the talk, that they're open. Because a lot of guys might have a great story, but they don't right. necessarily want to talk about it. Or they're, maybe they're not uh, comfortable revealing a lot of details, that kind of thing. So you're always kind of at the mercy of what they want to tell us. Absolutely. When he gets on the call and they're in their losing streak in 04, and he says, we should never have lost in Northwestern. <laughs> I mean, can't be more blunt than that. Him and then, of course, the best. You know, the best interview, though, has was, was always been LeVar. Okay, he's the only guy that ever did those weekly 15-minute interviews. You could never miss one when he was at Penn State because there was always a story there. Didn't matter what happened. And he's still that, that, that kind of guy as a talker. So I am always, for those who know this... This this is one of the most tragic things I've ever heard in sports. Yeter Gross Matos, when he was two years old, he, his dad drowned on a boat saving him right. when he was two years old. Then when he was yeah. 10, he was at a Little League baseball field and it started raining. And his brother, who I believe was 11 at the time, was still out on the field throwing the ball around. And lightning struck and killed him. I mean... I, I when I when you think of adversity and tragedy and over and Yeter was not a guy that he really ever wanted to talk about that stuff much much at all. So you can kind of get the story a little bit. But when I heard, I don't I don't know in all my years of doing this that I've ever pulled maybe for a guy more because to have to have gone through stuff like that, Frank. I mean, his stepfather that yeah. stepped in was was tremendous for him, but especially the little league, the little brother kind of, or the older brother kind of thing. That, that just really gets me. Yeah, and and the thing is, is there's I mean, there's a hundred guys on the team every year. There's great stories and tough stories and uplifting stories, and it's just um, that never it, it they just bring in a whole nother twenty five of them coming in, and it that's what draws me to the beat a lot of in a lot of ways because there's there's people that have things in life that you can always learn from, you know? And I think the perfect example, how did that guy, how did that young man, you know, who helped him and how did he become who he, who he was as a student, as a football player, as a person? Yeah. So great stuff, yeah. man. <laughs> always enjoy catching up with you, buddy. Hope, uh, Thanks, hope you enjoy your weekend, pal. So you too. Enjoy too. Great stuff, man. Frank Budani from the Your Daily Record.